Welcome to Huntersville Lutheran Sermon Webcast. We invite you to join us here for worship every Sunday at 10 a.m. Find out more at huntersvillelc.com. Thank you for joining us today. When God saw what they had done and, and how they had turned from their evil ways, he had compassion on them and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. I wish, I wish that that beautiful verse was the ending to, to the book of Jonah. Because it would just be perfect, wouldn't it? Right, Jonah, after his manifold, uh, manifold disobedient acts to God, he finally got up off his hind end and went and preached to Nineveh. This powerful little five-word sermon, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. His story could have wrapped up so, so neatly and majestically and obediently. And Nineveh, Nineveh had this, this treacherous evil against the Lord. And yet when they heard Jonah's sermon, they repented and they put their, their hope and their trust in the, in the God of free and faithful love. Their story could have wrapped up outlandishly and, and beautifully. And even the Lord, the Lord with all of his wrath against the, the, the evil of the Ninevites and his frustrations with his prophet Jonah, he relented from it all. And this whole story could have ended with God's grace and his mercy and his compassion. And it would have been the ending that was perfect. It would have been the ending that we all want. It would have been wrapped up with this nice, neat little bow. I mean, the narrator for Jonah, he could have, he could have even given it that nice Disney ending that we all love so much. And Jonah and Nineveh and the Lord, they all lived happily ever after. And that would, that would make us all smile and give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that we all chase after. But the Spirit couldn't let it end with with happily ever after, could he? In fact, he takes that, that clean, nice, wrapped up with a, with a bow, happily ever after ending, and he completely trashes it. Because we find out that the end of Jonah chapter 3 was anything but happy for Jonah at all. In fact, it, came, it all came crashing down around him. And you can't even get partway through the first verse of Jonah 4 verse 1 without, without the narrator telling you how Jonah truly felt. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice a little bit. You can't get past Jonah chapter 4 verse 1 without understanding how Jonah actually felt. No, Jonah was super angry. In fact, he said this all seems so wrong to Jonah that he became angry. This whole business in Nineveh, it all came crashing down around him. And instead of happily ever after for Jonah, it was more like angrily ever after for Jonah. Because he was hemmed in by evil. This is where he was stuck and trapped. Hemmed in by evil. And in fact, if you, if you translate the... Uh, the 4 verse 1 from Hebrew, it actually sounds like this. It was a great evil to Jonah. A great evil. And he was livid. That's how the NIV should have translated it. Jonah was living in this angrily ever after. Six times it talks about Jonah's anger in Jonah chapter 4. Three times the Lord addresses Jonah's anger. The Spirit couldn't give us the happy ever after that we really wanted with the book of Jonah because Jonah needed to address his anger. And don't be angry with me for saying this, but so do we this morning. We all need to address our anger. In 2015, Disney came out with this fascinating movie, I think, uh, called Inside Out. Maybe some of you have seen Inside Out. It's this fascinating and creative look at, at human emotions. And as you watch this movie, you get to experience the emotions that all of the characters do, the emotions of joy and sadness, of of disgust and of anger. The main emotion that drives Riley, who's the little child, the main character, is joy. And to us, that makes sense, right? Children are generally pretty happy. The main emotion that drives the mother is sadness. The main emotion that drives the father is anger. You get the statement that 
Inside Out is making to all of us. That everyone, and men in particular, are susceptible to feeling angry, to dealing with anger, and, and especially with men, men tend to look at and view and experience the world through anger. And I don't think that they're the only ones who do this, right? We all feel and understand and know what anger is like. But anger has this, has this way of, of taking root and taking shape and taking form in our hearts in ways that maybe we don't expect. I mean, just take a look at all of the different words that we use to talk about anger. And I've heard people from every, every age and race and ethnicity and gender talk about anger in these different ways. That I'm pissed. I'm frustrated. I'm triggered. This is frustrating. I mean, you could, you could make a 10-page paper just on the ways that people talk about the fact that they're angry. And people won't admit it outrightly. But almost everybody seems angry. Everybody seems to live in a state of anger. And they feel righteously angry because they feel hemmed in by evil, just like Jonah did. And as you read through Jonah chapter 4, it's kind of amazing to watch this anger unravel in Jonah's life. I mean, at first this anger, it makes him totally depressed and even suicidal. He prays to God to, to take his life from him. Lord, take now my life from me because it's better for me to die than to live. Then this anger drives Jonah deeper into silence, right? The Lord addresses his anger, questions him on it, and then he gives the Lord the silent treatment. Eventually this anger moves Jonah into a hateful and spiteful state. Jonah heads outside of the city of Nineveh and he builds himself a little hut there and, and he sits and he waits and he watches for the spectacular show of fire and brimstone that he's expecting God to put on. But eventually, this anger, it moves Jonah to stop praying at all. Did you notice that when we read through Jonah chapter 4? He just completely stops praying and just has these suicidal mumblings all to himself. It's better for me to die than to live. This story for Jonah is anything but happily ever after. Jonah's anger is completely unraveling his life from the inside out. And this anger that Jonah portrays, that the narrator portrays of Jonah in Jonah chapter 4 should be a wake-up call to each and every one of us about the anger that we live our lives with. Because we think that this anger, it's going to help us somehow. It's going to get, make, us, make us feel better. But really this anger, it does nothing for us. It's not as beneficial, it's not as good, and in fact, it makes us act kind of crazy. But the Lord, you know, he, with Jonah, he breaks into Jonah's angrily ever after. Anger, I've, I've become convinced, is, is one of the most dangerous weapons that a sinner can wield. Far too dangerous for any of us to wield, and that's how it was for Jonah when God broke into his angrily ever after. And God, he did it in his own really special and gracious way. He did it like a caring and loving father. He did exactly what, what he does with sinners who are trying to flee and run from him in anger. He asks him penetrating questions. Jonah, is it right? Is it right for you to be angry the way that you're angry right now? But Jonah wasn't ready to be confronted by the truth just yet. And so he remained silent. And so the Lord, he decides to set him up. As Jonah is sitting out on this, on this hill overlooking Nineveh, God provides this plant. And Jonah loved this plant. And in fact, in the first time in all four chapters, we are told that Jonah expresses an emotion that we haven't previously seen, that Jonah was happy. He was happy about this plant because it provided shade. It cooled him off. But this happiness, it was fleeting because that very next day, God sent a worm that destroyed this plant. And along with that worm, he sent a scorching east wind. And now Jonah was angry again. He was livid with God. And so God asks him, he confronts his anger again. Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? 
over this plant. This time Jonah's anger answers back. Yes, it is. I'm so angry that I wish I were dead. And now the Lord has Jonah right where he wants him, doesn't he? It's got this movie-like quality to it. Here Jonah is sitting by himself, and it's his fault that he's all by himself. He's skulking, throwing this pity party for one, throwing temper tantrum after temper tantrum of anger. He's waiting for God to bring down judgment that he thinks should fall on Nineveh, and now he's angry about this plant, this stupid little plant that he had nothing to do with, and he's disputing with God. He's yelling at God about this plant. Yelling at him. All because of his anger. And so he tells God, yes, I have a right to be angry. I have every right to be angry about this city and about this plant and with you. And right there, Jonah lays it all out for the whole world to see. Not only the truth about his his love, but the truth about his anger too. Jonah's anger was so great, so great that he wanted to die. Jonah's love was small. It was so small that he cared and loved a stupid little plant more than he loved all of the people of Nineveh. And this is what we need to grapple with this morning because we see what anger does to a sinner. Anger, it, it completely flips your world upside down. It takes control of you in ways that you and I never want to. It makes you go crazy. It makes you act irrationally. I mean, take a look at what this anger did to a nation, our nation, just about a month ago. It happened at a, at a, murder, sentence, at a murder trial sentencing. There was a woman, a former Dallas police officer named... Amber Amber Geiger, who shot and killed a a young unarmed black man in Dallas. Name was Botham Jean. At the sentencing hearing, Brant Brant was allowed to address Amber, the one who shot his brother. And when he did, do you know what he said to her? I forgive you. Brant said to Amber, I forgive you. Then he asked the judge if he could give Amber a hug. And they embraced with with emotion and with tears. And it is nothing other than the grace and the mercy and compassion of God put on display uh, in a believer's heart that can cause somebody to forgive like that. And after after the news was sent reeling with with this scene, the forgiveness and the hug and the tears, how did the nation react? Did any of you guys look into this or read about this? There were some who were incredibly happy with what was displayed. That the nation needs more of this forgiveness. It needs more of this love. But there were just as many people who were equally angry, if not more people who were angry with what had happened. They were outraged that, that this man, Brant, could forgive the, the wicked atrocity that, that Amber committed against his brother. There were people who were outraged at the fact that, uh, the fact that this man was able to give this murderer a hug in the middle of the courtroom and that everybody was overjoyed by it. These people were angry and outraged at the grace and the mercy and the compassion of God that were put on display in this courtroom. Just like Jonah was mad at the grace and the mercy and the compassion that God displayed with Nineveh. And while Jonah was wallowing in his anger, his anger at God, his anger over God's grace, his anger over the loss of this plant, God has just one more question for Jonah. He says to Jonah, you're so concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. Should I not be concerned with the great city of Nineveh in which there are 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals? God's question, it's so compelling. Jonah, you loved this plant. 
You, but the only reason that you loved this plant because you had nothing to do with it. The only reason that you loved this plant is because it was in your own best interest to love this plant. Should I not love Nineveh like you love this plant? I created Nineveh. I made all of the people who live there and they are as much my people as you are. Answer the question, Jonah. Should I not be concerned with this great city of Nineveh just like you were concerned with this plant? And that's how it ends. So the whole book ends on the cliffhanger of a question. It ends like that show Sopranos. Anybody ever watch the show Sopranos? Know how it ends? For those of you who haven't, I'm going to spoil it for you, so I'm sorry about that. But Sopranos ends the final scene. Tony, the infamous mob boss and his family, they're sitting in, the, they're sitting in a diner and there's a guy that you suppose to be an assassin who's going to walk up and he's going to shoot him. And just when that's going to happen, goes black. And you don't know what happens. You have no idea if Tony lives or dies. You have no idea if his family made it out or they didn't. And this is what happens in Jonah. You have no idea what happens to him. You have no idea if he makes it out of Nineveh. You have no idea if he ever deals with his anger issues. You have no idea if he even comes to wrestle with and understand what the grace of God really is. And it's like this cliffhanger question is acting as this really big, bright, flashing billboard that's asking us the same questions that God asked to Jonah over and over and over again and forcing us to wrestle with it, to wrestle with our anger. Are you finally going to come to terms with what God's grace really is for you and for others or are you just going to stay angry? Are you going to finally come to grips with the fact that God's plans to save the world are far too big for you and me to understand or are you going to angrily think that you should be in control of everything that goes on? Are you finally going to come to grips with the fact and understand that God can show his arrow pointing down love to whomever he wishes, whenever he wishes? Or are you going to still angrily think that you are more deserving of God's grace and his forgiveness and his eternal life more than he or she or they are? Answer the question. Answer it. Or maybe you already have. Because God has. Now don't get me wrong, God doesn't answer the, the question at the end of Jonah, at least not right away. He needs to let that big, bright, flashing billboard of a cliffhanger question do its work in the, in the heart of God's people and in our hearts. But God definitely does answer that question later on. The answer to that question is yes. Unequivocally, yes. Yes, in Christ Jesus. Should I not be concerned with, with Nineveh and with Jonah and with angry you? God had to let that question hang in the air outside of that city until his answer hung in the air outside of another city, outside of Jerusalem, hanging on a cross. Because the Lord would be concerned. He could be concerned. He simply was concerned with all of you. And he would rather give up his own life than to let any single one of you suffer. That he would rather, he would rather die before letting his judgment fall on all mankind. God's answer is always yes in Christ Jesus. The answer to the end of the question, the question at the end of the book of Jonah. Simply yes, I should be concerned. And it might not be the, the happy ending that, that fills us with the warm and fuzzies that we want. But I don't think that was God's intention. 
think God's intention was to sit and make us wrestle with how deep our sin is and also how magnificent his love is. Because Jonah, it might not be happily ever after, but it is abruptly ever after with the love of God. Amen.